When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone. Time once again for the Silver Bullets podcast. I'm Michael Citro. And I'm Chip Minnick. Chip, we are here with another monthly off-season episode of the Silver Bullets. And it is May, so uh, we are we are bleeding away the months of the off-season as, as quickly as we can to get back to college football. But there's plenty to talk about. There's always plenty to talk about. And the last time we spoke, we we're getting ready to talk about the Buckeyes in the upcoming NFL draft, which is now past history. It is past history. Um, yeah, congratulations to the six players who were selected in the NFL draft. Um, three were first round selections, and then three were spread out over days two and three. So um, four of the six have already signed their contracts. So they are, um, I guess, you know, the the beneficiaries of. Uh, not only their hard work at Ohio State, but obviously the faith uh, of their new employers in the NFL. Yeah. Now we, of course, we're talking about where might C.J. Stroud go? Will he get that number one overall pick? Will he slip way down to the end of the first round? He didn't have to wait long to get his name called, but he once again came in second to Bryce Young as Bryce Young was the number one overall pick to Carolina and C.J. Stroud goes to the Houston Texans in the second slot in round one. Um, this is not a good football team, so it's going to require quite a, a, a bit of building for him to be able to really make a mark on this team. But um, I think overall, got to be pretty happy going number two overall. Absolutely. Um, you know, all of the, I'll just call it slander that he endured uh, in the days leading up to the NFL in terms of rumors that, he didn't do well on some kind of test that it turned out that half the NFL doesn't even use. I think that that was just basically rumors by a, another team that was that was coveting C.J. Stroud, thinking like if we throw enough mud at this kid, maybe he'll fall and we'll be able to to snag him when we want. Uh, but I'm glad that that Houston ignored all of the outside noise and selected him second. Uh, and I, I I I completely agree with you. I think. He's going into a tough spot, let's face it. I mean, uh, you know, Houston has had a revolving door of coaches over the last several years. Um, so hopefully they are going to be patient and try to build the team around uh, C.J. Stroud. But, yeah, I think uh, it's it's going to be an interesting situation to keep an eye on. Yeah, quarterbacks went fast and furious at the top of this draft as Anthony Richardson went fourth overall to the Colts. Um, you know, I, I, I understand why teams get excited about a player's athletic ability because athleticism in the grand scheme of things is, is still the, the great uncoachable thing. But 
at the same time, you know, if you're a Colts fan and you're watching the draft and you you hear somebody say something along the I'm paraphrasing because I can't think of the exact wording, but it was something to the effect of he'll learn the fundamentals once he gets to the NFL. You don't want to hear that the guy you just drafted fourth overall is anything but, a, you know, ready to step in and, and lead the team. No, <laughs> I, I agree. I, I think uh, Indianapolis. Uh, congratulations to Anthony Richardson. I, it didn't surprise me that after Bryce Young and CJ Stroud, that the Colts went with, with Anthony Richardson. He's extremely raw. I think, as you said, you know, obviously that's very disconcerting about having to learn the fundamentals, especially at the professional level. Um, I, it didn't surprise me that Indianapolis selected him simply because with their new coaching staff coming, uh, uh, Shane Steich and the, the new head coach, uh, the style of of play that he ran at, at Philadelphia with Jalen Hurts, I think Anthony Richardson kind of fits that mold, you know, of being able to be, you know, being able to, like you said, uh, not only throw the ball but also run the ball on occasion. So it's going to be interesting to see how Indianapolis brings him along. I, I I realize that there's a strong temptation to throw him into the lineup, um, but until the coaches feel absolutely certain that he's ready to perform at an NFL level, I'd be a little reluctant to do that. For sure. Uh, one of the things we talked about was Will Levis and all of the hype surrounding him. And as it turned out, it was uh, much ado about nothing as, as he slid down the draft board. And we we were enduring pictures of him in the green room all night on draft night. It was uh you know, as 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 awful as it was for C.J. Stroud in the run-up to the draft, it was equally bad for a guy like Will Levis, who would have probably been delighted to be a second-round pick if he hadn't heard all of the rumors and all of the the discussion about he could be the number one pick of you know in the draft. He could be the first quarterback taken. And anybody who watched college football for an appreciable amount of time over the last couple of years would never have thought Will Levis is your number one choice. Um, I think he went probably where he should have went, maybe even a little high. But uh, you know, we had to we had to watch this because the same thing that happened with C.J. Stroud is you get this you get this narrative going and everybody starts to pile on that narrative, and this of course gets back to the the players and they they have to deal with it and and beyond the players, of course, it's going to be something that the you know the NFL Network and ESPN and all of the outlets, the media outlets are following. And and following probably in a way that's inappropriate in the end. And and I I felt bad for him because he should never been put in that position. A, a a period of his life that should have been joyous instead was probably a lot more nerve wracking than it needed to be. Yeah, I, I genuinely felt bad for Will Levis. Like you said, I think anyone who was truly objective in in watching him play, I, I'm not saying that he's without talent, but I didn't mm-hmm. see why the hype was trying to put him in that same conversation with Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. And I um, certainly would not want to have to undergo, you know, being scrutinized by a national television audience. You know, when's he going to get picked? Why hasn't he been picked? What's Mm -hmm. going on? All those kind of things. Um, Completely unrelated to Will Levis. I remember years ago, Joe Thomas, who was going to be inducted into the NFL Hall of Fame this coming summer, uh, he, uh, instead of going and, you know, participating in the NFL draft, I think at the time, you know, being held in New York city still, he went fishing with his, with his father. And 
his logic was, all right, my life's going to change no matter what. I want to spend time with my father. Mm-hmm. And to your point, you know, it should be a joyous occasion. And I think, you know, when you watch these young men sitting at home with you know, their families and, and friends and loved ones, instead of being, you know, I, I realize, you know, for example, I, you know, like Las Vegas or New York City, or I think next year's Detroit. I think there should be some more consideration for that. Instead of pressuring the the the, the young men to to be at the NFL draft, I think giving them a little bit more flexibility. And okay, why don't you en- enjoy the NFL draft the way that you would prefer to, instead of being necessarily in a green room, green room being scrutinized by by millions of fans. Yeah, I agree with you. It's um, it, there is a lot of pressure on them, and I I, I kind of think that it's gotten ridiculous i mean some of the the poses that these guys are asked to do and and mm-hmm. they're superimposing these poses over the crowd and stuff and it was just it was very it was kind of gross actually exactly exactly um, but uh you know we're here to talk about where the buckeyes went and it didn't take long after anthony richardson for paris johnson jr to hear his name called by the arizona cardinals they took him sixth overall uh paris um was uh was selected by the Cardinals on in a pick that went from the Rams to Detroit to the Cardinals and um he's going into a good spot and the, and the, the rumor has it Kyler Murray asked for him. Oh, I have no doubt. I have no doubt. I'm happy for Paris Johnson from what I understand his father who played at Miami of Ohio uh that Paris Johnson Jr basically said I'm I'm thrilled and excited to be going to Arizona to kind of finish what my father started or began or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paris Johnson has signed his contract. Uh, he is actually, um, he has uh, the projections of four year contract uh, fully guaranteed for almost $28.1 million, a signing bonus of a, of a little more than $17.4 million. So he's got a tremendous head on his shoulders, uh, you know, very impressive young man, you know, the, the work he does with his foundation, I'm sure he'll do well with that foundation out in Arizona. And like you said, I think the Cardinals have to be thrilled to be getting somebody who should be, you know, barring injury should be, you know, the, the type of player that, that could be an anchor on the offensive line for the next 10 years. Yeah. Should be uh, a guy who could step in and start right away. Um, it was odd to me that there were running backs taken in the first round and years ago that would have been commonplace, but now it's pretty rare, but uh, we had a, we had a running back go eighth overall uh, Bijan Robinson to the Falcons. Obviously he was a player that very nearly was a Buckeye. Um, and then uh, Jameer Gibbs went to the lions at 12 overall. So you had a couple running backs and while you're waiting for Jackson Smith and Jigba, t- uh, his name to be called, you're watching running backs come off the board and you're thinking, are you people okay? Do you, <laughs> do you not realize what an incredible talent is sliding down the draft board? Well, Pete Carroll did because he took him uh, with, for the Seahawks at the 20th overall spot. And, um, you know, I think this is a player who would have gone higher had he not missed most of last year. Certainly. Yeah. I mean, it's unfortunate that he had that injury that that really impacted um, you know, what would have been his, his last year. I mean, he, he tried to, on different occasions, tried to come back and it, it just never worked out. Um, but I think he's going into a tremendous situation with Seattle. Not only that's a, a playoff caliber team, um, but with the talent offensively that they have with uh, DK Metcalf, 
Kevin Lockett, you know, he can slide right into, uh, obviously he has to win the job, but slide into that slot position and, you know, thrive, I think almost immediately, uh, you know, so he's another player who has already signed his contract. Um, I'm looking at some of the numbers here, $14 million, $417,307 contract signing bonus of $7,485,314. So that ain't bad. That ain't bad. Uh, not bad at all. I'd take uh, it. <laughs> exactly. So uh, congratulations to him. I think he's out of all of the players. I know we have, we still have uh, players to talk about in, uh, you know, the, the, the other three who were not selected in round one. Um, but out of everyone, I think, all things considered, the the challenges that Jackson Smith and Jigba endured in 2022, he's going to probably the best situation out of everybody in terms of team stability, team talent. Uh, you know that he's he's really in a really good spot, and so I, I'm looking forward to seeing how he does at the next level because I think he's he's well positioned. Yeah, should mention he was the first receiver taken. Absolutely, uh, as as. We expected he should be, and he went 20 overall. It started a wide receiver run. The next three picks after him were all wide receivers. It was interesting. I was watching the the highlights after Baltimore selected uh, Zay Flowers for Boston College, and they were showing all these touchdowns, all these big plays, and I was like, I don't remember Boston College having a prolific offense, and I went and looked <laughs> up where they, they were like 120th or something ridiculous in offense and scoring offense, and I was like, are all the plays they just showed on this highlight reel? Is that their entire offense for the year? Yeah, he, uh, yeah, I think he probably was kind of almost like a one man team, uh, you know, and again, you know, kind of, you know, smaller, uh, you know, Zay Flowers kind of, you know, smaller wide receiver. Um, I'm to your point from that you made a moment ago. I'm glad that Jackson Smith and Jigba was the first wide receiver selected, obviously later than, uh, he would have been had he been fully healthy all season and had the kind of season that everyone expected. Um, but yeah, I think it justified the fact that he was the first the first wide receiver selected because in terms of talent, I think he definitely was that the, the best wide receiver on the board for sure. Yeah, some other notable uh, Big Ten players, obviously uh, taken in the first round. Uh, a little surprised at how high he went but i think this is probably going to end up being a, a good selection for detroit detroit took a, a couple of big 10 players in the first round and um one of the guys they took was campbell from iowa and it raised some eyebrows but i think if, if he turns out to be as good as everybody thinks he's going to be no one will bat an eye at him ended up being a first round pick no i i mean it was it was a surprise because every, nobody's doubting the the the, the talent of Jack Campbell, it, it was more of, okay, well, are you sure you want to take him this high when more than likely he would have been there in the second round? That's kind of the scuttlebutt that, uh, but to Detroit's credit, I will say that, you know, the, you know, they, they not only took, I mean, uh, Jameer Gibbs, um, you mentioned him earlier um, and Jack Campbell, they basically, they knew what they wanted. They knew the type of players that they wanted and they went out and, and selected them. So, um, yeah, it'll remains to be seen if, you know, what kind of NFL careers, uh, that they will have, but I, I want to give credit to Detroit for identifying the players that they felt would not only, uh, fulfill needs, but, you know, suit 
their team chemistry, so to speak. Uh, you know, because I think Jack Campbell, especially, you know, that kind of throwback traditional Big Ten linebacker, I think I, I think he'll fit in well with what Detroit's trying to build. Yeah, the problem with waiting on a guy is is maybe you don't get him, number one. Mm-hmm. But number two, maybe that screws up what you want to do for the next round. So by identifying this guy that you want to take, maybe you have to take him around earlier to set up the rest of the draft the way that you want it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot exactly. that goes well, into this. Oh, it is. It is. It's the kind of thing I think that a lot of times NFL teams overthink. <laughs> um, you know, they 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 you know truly you know, try to outsmart uh, and overthink something like. And I agree with you. I think that uh, you know you don't want to gamble necessarily. Oh, well, that player will be there. Obviously, the way Detroit their scouting evaluations were that they had uh you know Gibbs and Campbell higher than some other teams may have but to their credit okay they did they they did their homework they did their analysis and they selected the players at those at those selections when they felt comfortable to do so so i i give a lot of credit to Detroit for for you know having that kind of conviction to to select the players that they felt would best suit uh, their team yeah, now the Seahawks not only picked Jackson Smith and Jigba, they took Devin Witherspoon, cornerback from Illinois, early in the draft. Um, some of the other guys that went, uh, Pete Skaronsky went to Tennessee Titans, Mike Brabel's team. Um, Iowa's Lucas Van Ness went to Green Bay. Uh, we talked about Jack Campbell, and his teammate, Sam Laporta, also went to Detroit, tight end. Um and Maryland's Deontay Banks went to the Giants. Mazzy Smith uh, went to the Cowboys' first Michigan player off the board. And uh, they ended up with uh, having a, you know, three first-rounders as well. Joey Porter Jr. to the Steelers, not a surprise there. You got go from Joey Porter to Joey Porter Jr. with the Steelers. Um, so that that was the uh, first pick of the second round. So uh, pretty good, um, you know, pretty good day for... Uh, you know, first day and, and beginning of the second day for the uh, for the Big Ten. Uh, we'll continue to talk a little bit about the Buckeyes, of course. And we, you know, was there anybody that surprisingly fell further than you thought they would? Well, definitely um, when we get to talking about uh, Luke Whipler, um, when we talk about him, uh, you know, he was one of those guys that I thought would have gone higher. But as a Cleveland Browns, fan uh you know obviously i'm thrilled that the browns selected him i just thought that he would have gone higher than he did zach harrison went in the third round um to atlanta nobody went in the second round from ohio state uh dewan jones fell to the browns in round four the 111th overall pick so they're apparently uh they're like they're gonna be they want to be the what the eagles are to the georgia bulldogs (laughs) browns want to (laughs) be to the Ohio State Buckeyes. Well, that's a nice thought. I mean, I guess I, I kind of wrote about that for Land Grant Holy Land is for the first time, uh, you know, since 1965. And we're talking, you know, back, you know, I can't remember how many rounds the NFL draft was back then. I know it was substantially lengthier than than it is now. Um, but uh, for the first time since 1965, the Cleveland Browns selected two players from Ohio State. And for years, not that I believe that that uh, 
you know, the Browns should, should ignore the other talented players that are available in the NFL draft. But for years, it was so frustrating to watch players that were available when the Browns would pick. And instead of selecting that, you know, a, a player from Ohio state, you would, they would take somebody else who wouldn't pan out. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, the, the, the players that like Cincinnati selecting Sam Hubbard, for example, or Pittsburgh, uh, you know, for years would would select players from Ohio State. I mean, like Cam Hayward has has been there for a, a, has a, had a tremendous career. Baltimore, I think a few years ago, I, I seem to recall talking to you about the frustration. I think you as a Miami Dolphins fan, uh, J.K. Dobbins, for mm-hmm. example, you know, like yeah. being there. And when you watch your team bypass, you know, players that that you think could come in and contribute, you know, for the for the NFL team that you follow. Uh, it is frustrating. So, uh, yeah, Dewan Jones, uh, he has not signed his he is not signed a contract yet as we are recording this. Um, mm-hmm. But I think you know he definitely stands a tremendous chance of making the roster and and contributing because just the sheer size that he possesses. I mean that you know six eight. Um, that was part of the reason why he fell was you know like he had put on too much weight. I don't know how how good of weight it was um, that. You know, I think that that was kind of concerning to NFL teams. I think that contributed to the fall to the fourth round. But that 6'8", 350-pound, you know, 360-pound size, I mean, is just something that I think the Browns envisioned putting him at right tackle and, and believing that he could develop into a really uh, – to an eventual quality starter. Yeah, and I mean, if you want to run the football, I mean, it's hard to hard to keep – hard to get past him. Um, I think he'd be a great – like if he's going to be a project guy, I think he'd be a great refrigerator Perry type out of the backfield and short yardage. I mean, you get a running back up behind him, you're going to get a yard easily on short yardage. So uh, I do want to correct myself. I think I said three Michigan players went in the first round earlier, but it was first two rounds is what I was uh, meant. So if you're yelling at me, please stop. Uh, I'm not yelling. I'm not yelling. I was I was just trying to I was trying to. Think I was like I didn't know I didn't think that I don't remember three but no uh, Schoonmaker went in second round and uh, I'm blanking on the other one but there were yeah there were a couple in the second round Um, and then uh, of course they had Jake Moody taken in the third round that was a surprise Um, that was kind of and in I think Jake Moody is I mean I yeah obviously he demonstrated when he was at Michigan uh, he was a dependable kicker. Um, but the fact that they selected him in the third round was a surprise. Um, but I, again, I, I got to give credit to San Francisco, you know, for their evaluations. If that's what they felt like, okay, we want this is the kicker that we want to select. Then, you know, by all means, select them. Um, yeah. A little higher than I would have anticipated, but that's fine. Yeah, Luke Whipler went one ninety, and uh, you know, we're at that point we really didn't know if anybody else was going to get taken. And uh, is there anybody that slipped through that you thought was going to get picked? I thought that there was a chance that Ronnie Hickman would be selected. Um, I did too. I mean, he and I, it's unfortunate because he was one of those guys that he declared for the NFL. Um, you know, right around the I think the time of the the Michigan game. Um, you know, and and it's just one of these things where. You know, I think he, you know, he's he signed, incidentally, he and Tanner McAllister both signed as um undrafted free agents with the Cleveland Browns. Um I think that it's one of these things where 
you know, year after year, and and Whipler is probably the the best example that I can think of is year after year, the NFL um, has a basically a draft advisory board where it's either like, yes, you should declare, you know, like, no, you should not. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the players sometimes basically, oh, it's just kind of, I'm going to do what I want kind of a thing. Uh, You know, and Luke Whipler, I'm not saying that, that he made a mistake by declaring. I believe that if he had stayed another year, I believe his NFL draft stock would have been better than being selected in the sixth round. He signed um, his contract. He, he, um, a $4 million, uh, $19,971 contract. He's got a signing bonus of a little less than $180,000, um, which is, which is great. I mean, I, I think he definitely has a tremendous opportunity to make, uh, the Browns as a backup at, you know, guard and center, um, mm-hmm. you know, cause he's versatile. Uh, I just, wish that more players were you were asking about surprises i think like ronnie hickman um if he had listened to the nfl draft advisory board maybe he wouldn't have declared and you know maybe things would have worked out better for him if he he had listened to the nfl draft advisory yeah and and guys have their reasons for these decisions that you know go beyond things are very personal and um you know something that might seem like a, a bad idea to to a fan to may, you know, if, without knowing that situation, maybe they don't understand. Maybe that player absolutely needs money and sure. is the quickest way to get, I know NILs there, but some of these guys aren't making big NIL money. There was even talk that I know, I know there was some last minute talk about CJ Stroud about, you know, maybe they're going to scrape up enough NIL money to make it worth <laughs> his wildest stay. And he ends up the second overall pick. Uh, uh, but yeah, there's, there's all kinds of things that go into this. Sometimes it's very personal. Sometimes it's, you know, they need to help out their family immediately, that kind of thing. So, um, you know, it's not, it's easy for us to criticize cause we're not in that position. So, uh, exactly. I try not to do that. And yes, I, I do think there are some guys that could be helped by coming back, but maybe they don't have the luxury of waiting that year. Good point all around. All right. Well, we got. Plenty more to get to in this show, so uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some transfers in the portal, that magical place that nobody really seems to know a whole lot about. Uh, we're going to talk about some kickoff time announcements, and um, you know, we'll get to all of that right after this. And we're back, Chip, and we're going to talk about the transfer portal a little bit. Had some... Uh, Transfer additions after spring ball. Uh, what do you got for us? Uh, start us off. Well, the transfer portal. Uh, most most fans remembered how you know during uh, the winter time, like right after the season. You know, even in December, uh, a lot of players entered the, the transfer portal, made uh, decisions to come to Ohio State, and um, there was a lesser known transfer portal that opened up ironically on April 15th. And it it was only open until I believe like April 30th. So um, it was, you know, kind of the reason I say ironically, you know, like, you know, Ohio state finished up their, their spring practice and the the spring transfer portal um, opened up. So on the addition side, uh, a familiar name uh, that is Lorenzo styles, jr. He actually, um, was recruited by Ohio State uh, out of high school, uh, wanted to play wide receiver. He 
instead went to Notre Dame where he did play wide receiver. Ohio State fans will probably remember the very first play of the Notre Dame game. He actually caught a pass and was going down the sideline. That was uh, a Josh Proctor missed tackle that kind of, you know, like a big play right at the beginning of the game. Mm -hmm. Uh, But getting back to Lorenzo Styles, from what I understand, uh, he was moved to the secondary uh, Notre Dame was in the the middle of you know spring football, and uh, they they were going to move him from wide receiver to the secondary, and he immediately entered the transfer portal and decided to come play for Ohio State. Uh, so this is kind of I look at this as the benefit of uh, obviously you know a familiar name uh, you know to Ohio State fans, you know like with his father having played for Ohio State, his brother playing for Ohio State. Uh, and he's coming in now. I'm not saying that he won't make an impact, uh, but I think off the record, I would say that he's going to probably be one of these guys that I would, I would expect more in 2024 than this coming year, just because he's coming in, having played wide receiver, not having played defensive back since high school and Ohio state does have a lot of depth in the secondary, um, Maybe he'll redshirt, maybe he'll play, you know, those four games contribute in some fashion, but I would look for him to make more of a contribution in 2024. Okay. But you can't say off the record on a podcast because it's by nature on the record. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for the correction. I, I stand, I sit corrected. So he went, he wanted to be a receiver. They, they moved him. He transferred, but he's still going to play that position. They were going to move him to at Ohio state. That is. And if anything, I think it kind of highlights, I, I, I guess, like the probably one of the things that you that you and I um, always, you know, I'm always uh, hear about, you know, about in, you know, that you should never burn, you know, burn your bridges. Um, I kind of look at this as one of these opportunities where Lorenzo Styles was obviously disappointed that he was not being considered as a wide receiver by Ohio state, but the lines of communication must've remained open, must've remained positive and cordial between the Ohio state coaching staff and himself. And the fact that when Notre Dame said, we're going to move you to the secondary that he thought, Hey, you know, I, I like my chances of being developed for the, for potentially the next level better at Ohio state than Notre Dame. It gave me an opportunity to play in the, uh, on the same team with my brother, uh, play for the team that I grew up following, uh, you know, he from Pickerington. So I think this is, it's going to be interesting to see, like I said, what kind of an impact he makes this coming season, but you know, we'll see, uh, at, at defensive back. Yeah. So while Ohio state is stockpiling styles is they are fresh out of Caleb's. They are fresh out of Caleb's. Uh, good luck to both of them, Caleb Burton and Caleb Brown. Um, Caleb with a C, Caleb uh, Caleb Burton with a C, Caleb Brown with a K. Uh, Caleb Burton was a wide receiver who was uh, highly regarded out of Texas, uh, redshirted last year, and he was one of these guys that I think during the whole euphoric idea of Quinn Ewers and uh, when he was here at Ohio State everyone thought okay we've got to get Caleb Burton he signed with Ohio State from what I understand you know it was just more of kind of a developmental guy that you know needed to put on some some bulk and 
and get acclimated to the college game. So he didn't even play anything, you know, to the best of my knowledge last year at all. Uh, unfortunately, I seem to recall reading something like on the very first day of spring practice that he might have sustained some kind of an injury where he said he heard something pop. Um, never got any kind of news out of Ohio State about that, but he didn't play in the spring game. Shortly after the spring game, um, he announced his intention to enter the the transfer portal, and uh, he visited and committed to Auburn, which will be his his new program. Uh, Caleb Brown with the K did play a little as um, as a redshirt, excuse me, as a freshman. He was redshirted. Uh, and he was kind of a surprise. He was one of the the last players to announce that he was leaving Ohio State before the transfer portal closed, and he uh, has committed to Iowa. And so we'll see. You know, hopefully um, he has a good career at Iowa. But let's hope nothing against Ohio State in in future contests. A wide receiver choosing intentionally to go to Iowa's <laughs> offense. <laughs> Yeah, there, there was a good article about <laughs> Caleb Brown going there because he is is uh, reuniting. Here's here's you want to talk about you know another kind of twist. Uh, how one of the players who kind of actively recruited him was Cade McNamara, the former Michigan quarterback who's now at Iowa. So Cade McNamara, think about that, uh, actively trying to get an Ohio State Buckeye. Uh, to to join forces with him at Iowa to try to rejuvenate that that very dormant Iowa offense. It's a very odd pipeline between Michigan and Iowa at the quarterback position. You don't normally have intra-university pipelines of one position. It, it's it was Jake Rudock going one way and Cade McNamara going the other way and uh, yeah, it's it's very strange. It's very strange. But um, hey, good luck to everybody involved. Like you said, not not against Ohio State. But uh, so Ohio State also brought in some other players during this period. Uh, why don't you familiarize our listeners with who else will be on the roster when the when the new official roster comes out uh, prior to preseason camp? Probably the biggest name that Ohio State fans. Uh, I don't want to say should get excited about, but probably familiar with is an offensive tackle from San Diego state named Josh Simmons, who was brought in uh, and is projected to play. And I'm just going to say right tackle, but I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of curious about that. Um, I'll get back to him in a moment as, as well as a defensive lineman uh, from Ole Miss uh, by the name of Tywon Malone. So um as far as Josh Simmons, the reason why I'm kind of suspicious about him playing at right tackle, the the concern I think Ohio State fans had, especially you know as somebody who was at the spring game, was the the offensive line uh, is still kind of a work in progress, and that it was almost kind of the suspicion was with that new transfer portal opening on April 15th. All right, is Ohio State going to be actively trying to get an offensive lineman? Sure enough, Josh Simmons is that offensive lineman that they brought in. The background on him is that he is from California. Uh, he was recruited by a number of very prominent programs. One of them was UCLA, who at the time, the offensive line coach was a certain gentleman by the name of Justin Fry. So 
kind of goes back to that whole like not burning bridges thing. Mm-hmm. The fact that that they had maintained a, a good relationship. Simmons played right tackle at uh, San Diego State. The reason why I'm kind of suspicious as to whether or not he will stay at right tackle, and this is not meant uh, as any kind of a you know a slam necessarily on what Ohio State is currently doing, is that from all indications that I have read is that Josh Simmons is better at pass protection than at run blocking. And so my logic would be is, well, why not see if he could handle that critical left tackle position? And then, you know, you have the the flexibility of, of moving, you know, um, you, know uh, t- you know, to the right side, you know, other players to see if, if that is a more cohesive offensive line. Um, it wouldn't be surprising though if Josh Simmons does wind up being the starting right tackle. We'll we'll just kind of see. As far as Tywon Malone, he's actually originally from New Jersey, and yes, he he went to Ole Miss because he wanted to play not only football as uh, as a defensive lineman, but baseball. He had aspirations of playing uh, at, at, at college baseball. Obviously, uh, po- you know, going on to the major leagues. Um, so. He played very, very little as a as a baseball player at Ole Miss, and somewhere along the line, decided, you know, I want to come up to Ohio State, play for Larry Johnson, play on the defensive line. So he adds considerable depth. I would look for him to be in that defensive line rotation this year. Um, but if I had to say, you know, who's going to be the likely starter of the transfer portal additions be- between Lorenzo Styles Jr., Josh Simmons? Tywon Malone, I would definitely say it would be Josh Simmons. And where has he been playing technique-wise for uh, Miss uh, Ole Miss? Um, Tywon Malone has has been a, a defensive tackle, so you know, like along the lines of like that interior defensive lineman. Um, so I I think Ohio State is is legitimate. The the coaching staff is is excited about you know adding that talent, adding that depth to the defensive line, because when you get beyond, you know, like the Mike Halls and the Tyleek Williams who have the talent, but they haven't shown it on a, on a consistent basis, adding somebody in with, with some more experience and as well as again, you know, just for depth purposes, I think it, it definitely will help. And playing against some of those sec lines, you know, Alabama and, and, um, Georgia, uh, is not going to hurt either. Getting that experience. No, not at all. You know, and again, you know, I, I think, you know, what it comes down to, you know, when, when you think of, you know, like the, you know, basically, you know, like you, like, I think you hit him right on the head, like the experience factor that, you know, he's played in the SEC, you know, you can't really replace or put a price tag on experience. I think that's kind of like that concern going back to the whole Josh Simmons thing is that, yeah, he doesn't have a ton more experience, but he has more experience than Zen Mahalski, than Tegra Shabola at right tackle. And so that's kind of where the idea of, well, he could, he could possibly slide in at that right tackle. Um, and, and it's just, this is just my belief that Josh Fryer might be better suited at right tackle. That's why I'm the one that's kind of suspecting like, Hey, are they going to even give this a shot? I mean, we'll, we'll see when, you know, news starts to trickle out after the uh, players, you know, start, uh, you know, 
showing up for for fall camp, you know, what kind of reports we get. Yeah, for sure. So uh, any of these you're more excited about than others? I would definitely say Simmons. I mean, it's yeah. not, it's, it's kind of uh, just, I think it, it it's more of just to, to stabilize yeah. a need that, more that than offensive a, line. Yeah. More than yeah. an exciting prospect. Yeah. A need. Right. I mean, it's, it's difficult to get excited about the offensive line, but <laughs> I'm also, I'm also a realist in the sense that when it comes to, for all of the hand wringing over, okay, well, Kyle McCord didn't look too sharp in the spring game. Um, and you know, how, you know, the, the expectations that Ohio state fans have fairly or unfairly, uh, you know, about the offense, it always comes down to the fact that this game for all of the, the different kinds of offensive schemes and philosophies that, that you have, this game is still won by blocking and tackling. And it's like, if you don't give your, you don't give your quarterback ample time to, you know, set up in the pocket, or if you don't open up holes for the running game, I mean, it, it, it really comes down to that. So I think that's why for me, you know, to answer your question about excited is I think the fact that the coaching staff quickly identified, yeah, we, we need to do something to solidify the offensive line. They saw it, fans saw it during the spring game, but the, I think even in the other practices preceding the spring game, that the, there was some concern about how, how that offensive line was gelling. So the fact that they took this step, bringing in Josh Simmons, to regardless of whether it's at right or left tackle, I think to contribute and help solidify that offensive line. We won't see Taiwan Malone uh, suiting up for the baseball bucks this year. I wouldn't say never. I would be surprised. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, this is not meant to disparage his talent as a baseball player from what it's I not understand. Something Ryan day. Uh, likes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it would be I, like the fact that, okay, you know, he, I think he had nine at bats, uh, for, uh, for Ole Miss and that's, you know, Ole Miss, uh, I believe won the, the college world series. So it's, it's a talented team, but the fact that, you know, I, I think he probably recognizes the fact that, all right, long-term in terms of, if I, if I want to play professionally, what are my best options might be to, to stick with one sport and might be a defensive line for Ohio state. Yeah. He made the Kyler Murray decision. <laughs> there you go. And, <laughs> and, and I, I have never, I've, I've seen just, just on, you know, social media clips. It is impressive when he does make contact with the ball. I mean, it's kind of, you know, from like a, a bigger Frank Thomas, you know, for those of for those of you who remember, you know, watching Frank Thomas hit. Um, but yeah, I think defensive line might be, he might be better suited to, yeah. to do that. The bigger hurt. We'll just call him that starting right now. There you go. Tackled by the bigger hurt. <laughs> I like it. Everybody needs a nickname, Chip. That's right. I mean, I'm talking to a guy named Chip. That's right. Unfortunately, <laughs> there's a story to that too. Uh, we'll so. we'll save that for another podcast. Although yeah. maybe the off season is the time for that. <laughs> uh. All right, Chip. When are we going to watch the games? I know there's some uh, some game times have been dropping. Well. Um, we should know more probably by the end of the month for the early season. And I'm going to, I'm just going to say, you know, like September, uh, the, that's kind of stereotypically, you know, when, when those are announced, um, we do know obviously the game, um, on, uh, November 25th is a, at noon and surprise it's on Fox. 
Um, that's, you know, tongue in cheek. Um, the, I will say what was kind of a surprise was NBC and Ohio State fans and Big Ten fans have to get used to this, that this is going to be, you know, NBC will be televising uh, Big Ten games, that the November 11th game, which is Michigan State at Ohio State, is a 7.30 p.m. kickoff. So that is one that is one of the realities of this new uh, arrangement and contract with NBC is that you're going to have night games uh, on NBC um, and the fact that uh, the the longstanding tradition of Big Ten games not having not having them in November, you have a, an inventory that you have to fulfill with that contract. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, so those are the only two, but getting back to when are we going to find out? It's usually like I believe ESPN even though the Big 10 is no longer affiliated with the with ESPN, the ESPN said that they will announce theirs on May 31st. So that's kind of why I'm thinking, you know, by the end of the month, you know, sometime around Memorial Day weekend, we'll know uh, or have a better understanding as to some of the early season kickoffs. Yeah, and there's there's been some shenanigans with the uh, with the TV deal. My understanding, uh, what do you, uh, you, you you are you are being very polite, Michael. <laughs> yes, I call, am. When you when you say shenanigans, uh, yeah. For those of you who have not read the article yet, and I want to give credit where credit is due, uh, Pete Thamel of ESPN.com uh, released an, a very lengthy but very informative article about. Uh, what Michael's referring to about the new media contracts with the Big Ten, uh, basically just to kind of give <laughs> my uh, my little tidbit on it is that you know I, I just referred to you know for example the November night games um, that you know Ohio State is 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 going to be hosting one on November 11th. Turns out Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State, according to this article, were not entirely thrilled with the idea of November night games. So uh, if you have an opportunity to do so, please read that article because it basically, it sounds like Kevin Warren did not necessarily <laughs> do a very solid job in getting this contract uh, signed, sealed, and delivered. Uh, and the Big Ten university presidents and athletic directors and coaches are not too happy with it. and. Unfortunately, the new commissioner, uh, Tony Petiti, is having to deal with unhappy people from basically every side. Yeah, thanks, Kevin Warren. <laughs> uh, appreciated it, buddy. Uh, yeah, that's that's not good. It's um, I personally think that, hey, one of the good things about global warming is you can have later uh, later in the season uh, night games. I don't I don't mind the November 11th night game. I think that's fine. Um, I don't know what the weather is going to be like. My gut says it's probably going to be in the forties. It, uh, well, for what it's worth, since you brought that up is last year. So that was on November 12th, Ohio state played Indiana during the day. Mm -hmm. Um, now again, I'm speaking to you from Ohio. I'm lifelong Ohioan. I'm used to the cold. I didn't say that I like the cold, but I'm used to the cold. Mm -hmm. I will tell you that on that day during the day it was in the 30s during the day okay and so when 
this, I mean, to kind of, you know, backtrack, we were just talking about that Michigan State, Ohio State kickoff. When it was announced, kind of the, the, you know, the scuttlebutt was, okay, well, this is basically like Big Ten fans are going to have to get used to this because this is part of the deal that they made with NBC. And then for this to be revealed in this manner in that Pete Thamel article that not every Big Ten institution was happy with this. And now NBC is unhappy with with the Big Ten. And I mean, there's just a lot of back and forth, like I said. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they resolve it. I think mm-hmm. probably the, the most logical thing is, uh, you know, like I think you're going to have to, you know, like the USC UCLA game um, when they join the big 10 in a year, um, obviously you're going to keep that in November and that's going to be a night game. And there's one of your big, you know, I guess you could say blue blood type, you know, programs going at it. Um, and nobody has to be sitting outside freezing in November. Um, I think there's going to be other programs that you can't have just, you know, like Ohio state, Michigan, Penn state, you know, I, I realize NBC wants to have as many of, um, you know, night games as possible, but maybe in November, you're going to, maybe you're going to have to try to spread them out, um, you know, amongst all the other teams in the big 10, because it doesn't sound like Ohio state, you know, Michigan, Penn state were really happy about the idea of hosting a lot of November night games. Yeah. And it's, uh, I, I know I have all the ins and outs at my fingertips, but uh, I understand Ohio state, Penn state, and Michigan state have kind of, um, taken on some of the financial burden of of some of the issues that have come about through this deal yeah it's like i said it's a lengthy article but it just sounds as though kind of the way that i referred to it is a lot of things that that as fans we were led to believe when it was announced okay like how much money each team was going to be getting and it turns out that that's not necessarily the case Mm-hmm. That a lot of things like Kevin Warren, when when this was announced, and you know the, the public and media releases about it, they they weren't finalized, and so these contracts are still being cashed out now. And um, you know, so like to your point, like I think Ohio State, uh, you know, Michigan State, Michigan, Penn State, like they're they're trying they're trying to basically bite the bullet for the good of the conference, but there's a lot of unhappiness there. Yeah. Well. <sighs> yeah, I, Kevin Warren came in, uh, didn't have a great beginning to his tenure. Turns out he's not having a great end to his tenure. Um, I don't think he'll be looked back on uh, the same way as uh, Jim Delaney. <laughs> no, Jim Delaney. I mean, yeah, Jim Delaney um, was. I know that there were there were frustrating things about Jim Delaney, but he always, you know say what you will, like he would always try to, you know, go to bat for, you know, the conference, it, it, you know, like it, you know, Kevin Warren, it just never, ever, you know, everything now, you know, the way he mishandled everything COVID related, uh, you know, it just kind of, it just never seemed as though, you know, he, he really grasped the, the importance of the position that he held and, you know, like you said, you know, like he's leaving and it's, it's, it's not necessarily with, with any, I don't think anyone is going to be missing Kevin Warren, you know, as a result of this, this, this news item. Yeah, for sure. All right, Chip. And I do want to mention, uh, in case anybody thought I was serious, no, there's nothing good about global warming. 
<laughs> nothing good about it. Well, that 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 that's good. Public it, service announcement. It right was there. a joke. It wasn't uh, it wasn't meant to be taken seriously. Um, all right. Anything else uh, this month you want to get off your chest about Ohio State or uh, are we good? I think we're good. I think if anything, kind of just to kind of summarize it is just keep your eyes and ears open for we I mean, we've been talking about it, um, you know, like the the fallout uh, from this from the the TV contracts, you know, because I think we're going to be probably seeing and, and hearing more about this in the coming days um, on the positive side. We talked about it, but the idea of the early season kickoffs, we should probably be knowing more about that. And then we'll have, even though we're not a recruiting, you know, type of podcast, um, we'll probably our next news items besides more kickoffs will be in June talking about some of the Ohio State summer camps because those are right around the corner. And and I know that Ohio State is really inviting a lot of their their top prospects in june so hopefully we'll get to see more and more players giving verbal commitments hopefully on the defensive side of the ball because i think ohio state's pretty well set on the offensive side of the ball for the 2024 recruiting cycle yeah all right well we're going to check may off of our checklist we've got june and july and then we're back into weekly stuff i can't wait can't wait and then it'll go by so fast that's why you gotta gotta enjoy what we've i mean I can't wait for it, but it's like it always goes by much, much too fast. Exactly. All right, Chip. That's going to wrap up our May episode. We uh, will be back, obviously, in June. But we will, of course, uh, you know, we're, we're going to have one at least. I do actually have some feelers out for some potential interviews, so we might be able to throw some bonus episodes in over the summer. We'll keep everybody ab- abreast, so follow us on Twitter at silver bullets pod at S I L V R bullets pod. Uh, anyway, you can uh, email us at silver bullets pod at gmail.com. That does include the E. So it's the full word silver bullets pod uh, at gmail.com chip. Where can people find you on the internet? I can be found on Twitter at chip Minnick. Last name is spelled M I N N I C H. And I am a contributor to land grant Holy land. So look for, Articles appearing every Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, the different topics that the land grant Holy Land team uh, during this offseason, as Michael said, you know, like we have different topics like we just had, you know, for example, um, you know, different articles last week all about, you know, like if I was in charge. So I gave my unsolicited two cents on mm-hmm. how I would handle Ohio State football scheduling, for example. Um, and besides land grant Holy land, I'm also an occasional contributor to Athlon sports. I just had an article about possible 2024 NFL draft prospects from Ohio state. So, uh, I know that we talked tonight about the results of the 2023 NFL draft, but believe it or not, people are already looking forward to seeing which Ohio state Buckeyes are going to be in the 2024 NFL draft. And do those people, I say, live in the now, man. <laughs> very good way to live live in the now man all right uh you can find me on twitter at mike 36 fan of course already mentioned you can follow us on twitter at silver bullets podcast at silver bullets pod and that's s-i-l-v-r there's no e in silver on that because there's not enough characters thanks elon um you can find my work at uh land grant holy land i write every monday and uh, as you mentioned, we're theme week. Last week, I did, if I were in charge, uh, three tweaks that I would make to the offense. 
you know, because I know Ryan Day needs my help to maximize the efficiency of his offense. You know, if you want yards, Ryan, and touchdowns, talk to me. Absolutely. Uh, but this theme this week obviously is a, a little different, and uh, it is unpopular opinions. So get those uh, sharpened knives out and get ready to come after us for our opinions, because as we all know, opinions can be wrong and uh, and not just a matter of opinion. So unpopular opinions this week. We we look forward to those. Those should be fun. Those should uh, stimulate a lot of um, comments, maybe not necessarily good ones, but comments nonetheless. And I'm looking forward to that. So uh, check us out at landgrantholyland.com. We'll be back next month. And if we uh, if we have multiple shows, we have multiple shows. But if not, you're at least going to get one show here in June, one in July. And then once we come back in August, we will we will be preparing for the season to come and we will be back to our weekly schedule. We're looking forward to that. So thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back next month. Uh, the only thing left for us to do here at the end, unless I've forgotten something, Chip, is to say go Bucks. Go Bucks.